Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Thriving Minds podcast. I'm Professor Selena Bartlett, and today we're joined by Sam Jockel, founder of Parent TV. <laughs> and uh, we met recently, and her story is pretty amazing, and I think it's really important that um, everyone learns about this. And so welcome, Sam. Thank you for giving us your time. Excited to be here, Selena. Like, yeah, when we connected a little bit ago not too long ago I was really excited to meet you too so it's always good to be doing good things with people who are heading in the same direction as you. We bit, we need to let everyone know a little bit about Parent TV and a little bit about Sam and how you came to form Parent TV. Yeah yeah so Think of us a little bit like a video streaming platform for all things parenting. So a bit like YouTube or Netflix, but parenting advice. Um, we've got over 2,000 videos on our platform and we work with uh, over 40 leading educators across the globe. Lots of them are based in Australia, but we do have a few from Canada, the States, New Zealand. Um, and those specialists, they're psychologists, psychiatrists, pediatricians, occupational therapists, protective education experts, technology experts. So, yeah, we've been doing this for about six years. Um, but our core customers in terms of the actual business side of things are actually schools, childcare centres, libraries, organisations, enterprises. So how I tend to help people think about parent TV is think of us like a little bit like stock content nearly like you used to go and get you know like a picture but this is like parenting videos that go for five to ten minutes just answering the questions parents are asking so really we are supporting with our content organizations all across the world who have parents um, as a part of the communities that they serve with information they can trust so Interestingly, Sam, you mentioned that you're a B2B and but it's called Parent TV. So why are the organizations having to put up like why why isn't every parent um, wanting to access this immediately? It's, it's a very, very good question, Selena. <laughs> and I guess we have entered I'm like, let's just get right in there <laughs> right from the start. We're in interesting times at the moment, um, I think, in terms of raising children. And like I know, because I essentially work full time running Parent TV, I have three children myself that are 15, 13 and nine, and my husband is a full time primary school teacher and, and doing various different things. And so, I mean, I know it full well, but definitely with the expectations of what are on, I think, parents these days in terms of financially. Um, you often have two working parents from a very young age of children and it is actually very difficult to find all of the time that is needed when you are in a situation often without massive support from community and working full-time to be for your children what it is that they actually need to grow in the best possible way and we are seeing that playing out often in school settings we are seeing that play out in Childcare settings, I think who is responsible for some of the pieces of raising children is getting a bit confusing. And sometimes I feel like no one is really taking responsibility for it. We're all just standing there pointing the finger, kind of blaming each other. I, I say Parent TV is a solution for me that exists to sit in the middle of parents, schools and childcare centres, something that can help get everybody on the same team, which is our kids team, kind of that third party kind of, um, that's that's really the vision of what I felt like was needed to try and help this situation. Can you step us of, through that a little bit? I'm interested to know the, the um, light bulb moment, um, what you were going through. These things always are transformed out of something you can see <laughs> as an absolute vacuum or missing piece. And seeing you're a parent, I think you would really be really great for other parents to hear how this happened. I was very, I was in a very interesting situation. So pre-parent TV, so I do actually have a double degree in human services and theology and have worked in various settings doing kind of youth work and social work bits and pieces back in my early days before I had kids. I did have my first daughter like at 24, which is young, but not young. I don't even, my husband's like nine years older than me. So 
didn't want to wait too too long to have kids and I was married to a primary school teacher who was going and showing up in school so I heard his stories now after I had my daughter I was a little bit bored and I'm pretty pretty active mind um and I ended up online starting to do some bits and pieces on the internet I say I just took my community development from offline to online and I ended up starting kind of these community slash blogs back in the day we're talking like 15 years ago so it's like not Instagram bikini influencer it was just like mum sharing about you know mum life uh-huh. um so this was 15 years ago and I ended up um developing some communities that had about 650,000 parents as a part of them through kind of Facebook and my blog. And over about, I probably did that full time for seven years, ended up having a team around that. And that became my full time job kind of from home. Um, Doing that for seven years. So that was very different to parent TV, even though the content was about parenting and I was doing my best to bring information and thinking around parenting that was supporting the well-being of parents my actual the way that we monetized it because it was like my entire life was through sponsorship and advertising from brands so after about seven years I started out trying to help parents and ended up selling the Milo and two-minute noodles and you know cars and flights to the Maldives which sounds exciting And it was for a short period, but after about seven years, it nearly destroyed my soul and I didn't know who I was anymore really because that's not where I started. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's definitely anti-parenting, I mean, children-wise. Well, yeah, and I even saw on my kids, like, I mean, I feel like it's a very privileged thing to be talking about, but I was at a point where, like, nearly anything I wanted I could get for free and people were just, like, sending stuff to our house all the time. My kids would, like, in primary school get home from school and be like, what did we get sent today? Like, they actually started to value nothing because anything was on the table. Like, it it became horrible. Like, if people only knew, if you get everything you want, it's gross. (laughs) Like, but it's hard to help people see that um until you've seen it and what that actually does to your kids um and so yeah like I did that for about seven years and got to the point where this is is a crazy story Selena but I was literally in the Maldives on a sponsored trip with Club Med that I had organized because I was at that point running an influencer agency for parenting bloggers there was right. like 10 of I'll us. Just wait, there's an influencing agency for parent bloggers. Yeah, so we were like the agency representing like the leading parenting bloggers and like one of mine, school mum, was in there. So it organised this whole trip for everyone for free and I think it was like day three or four, I'm in the Maldives, like literally like peak of what you could imagine in this life. And I think that I had that was one of my first panic attacks when I was like, in a room that I nearly didn't come out of for the day. Um, I remember calling my husband. I just, I have such clear memory of that day. I was just deeply not okay and was just over there. And it was just like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? I don't even particularly like the people that I'm with. You know, I just. So I I don't understand because I'm a bit old school compared to I'm a different generation. Can you describe what is happening? Like what, what do you mean by that? What are you talking like, about? Like the club, are they sponsoring parent bloggers to yeah, so get we went together over there. and they're paying for it to advertise Club Med? Is yeah, that so mean? we were literally for two weeks just living it up in the Maldives, eating, drinking, doing whatever we wanted and posting about it on social media. Oh, and so and the Club Med posts. is getting the advertisement from all yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And from the parent just bloggers because it's a yeah. family-oriented Yeah, because they're like. See, I'm very naive, aren't I? Well, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to like bag Club Med at all. It was great. If you're a family, like that's a great solution. It's like a cruise. I'm like yeah. Club Med is like a cruise on land where like yeah. someone's just like organized everything and you just show up. Like it's great. But for me personally, in terms of what I wanted to do with my life and where I wanted to put my efforts. Yeah, of course. Everyone's it, different. This is me. Just was it like spending my time trying to make myself look online like I was living a life that other people maybe want to live and showing them how to do that to maybe buy the things like it was just like that's not really like I started out as a social worker and ended up like 
Did you have kids then too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they, I had did they take people. all their kids to Met Club? No, Med? we went without kids. <laughs> it was just the the parents, the adult. There was mostly women and a couple of guys, a couple of dad bloggers uh-huh. there too. It was like, and I that was the trip though. I came back and I shut it all down. It was actually very extreme. So one of the things I've learned about myself at times, which I'm working on, yeah. is I'm a little bit all or nothing and there's some danger in that approach to life. I have learned, so I'm learning to live in the kind of well, of course. But more. it's interesting how you could see it like that, but sometimes you just you probably had a few other things happening before that, but we tend to ignore them. That's what I've noticed, and then you end up with these big events that looks like it becomes black or white. It's just that finally you get hit, hit on the head. Hit. You, yeah, I think that trip for me was where. I just, a mirror was held up to me, I think, spending time with the people that I was with for nine days straight. And oh. it was like, am I that? Is this oh, what I've become? Interestingly. <laughs> oh, that's, that's I really not interesting. Want this. Maybe that could be one way you would look at it. Um, this is not the direction that I want to be heading in. And so. Aren't you, aren't you I, lucky to get that so young? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty, Yes. I have had that a number of times now in my adult life. I'm, really? I'm <laughs> You're so lucky. You're so lucky because some people can go their whole life and never have that happen. That kind of, yeah. Like those other people, to you. well, not seeing it, they just are part of it, meaning that they don't want that wake-up call or or they think that, I don't know, you know what I'm, do you know what I mean? I do. I do absolutely know what you mean. And that wasn't. Like what I'll say about that mirror, what that wasn't a fun mirror. Like I came home and then lived through like a good 12 months of hell while I tried to um, just shut down something and, you know, it was a complex thing. I had a business partner. We were also heading in different directions and it wasn't easy, but my soul knew that, it was the right decision and I just did the very hard work of, yeah. And, I mean, Parent TV was born out of all of yes, that. Yes, of so course. So this is why I'm like I was I was in the right place but I wasn't heading in the right direction. It was like yes, I could uh-huh. smell and I could see. It was like I know I know this and it's all somewhere around here but I was just on the wrong side. It was like I just needed this slight course correction. Yeah. And Parent TV was my course correction. Yeah. Um, so let's and, step let's step people through what you've done. Let's t- let's talk about Parent TV exactly what it is for people who have never heard of it as well. I, I'm dying to hear. <laughs> yeah, so I think it really started with knowing that parents were coming online and asking for help. So one thing I definitely learned through my influencer blogger school mum days was that parents were coming and asking questions and there was like mass amount of conversation. There's like all these Facebook groups, there's all of this going on um, online and we are talking in those places and spaces. The other thing I got to witness from the position that I was in was it was your own adventure in terms of like the responses people would get back. There was absolutely the ability to have your hundred comments on your question and just to choose to read like the three or four that maybe validated and aligned with the perspective that you Uh were after and ignore all the rest. Like you could create your own vacuum. So I was witnessing and I was running these communities, something that I was like, I don't think that this is helping us. And I think the research would tell us that since this has become the place and space, we get our information. Like, our mental health, the mental health of our kids, like our well-being has literally just been declining across the board. Um, that maybe when we did just like talk to our neighbour or talk to our parents or, you know, our siblings or the people at mum's group and we just, we would maybe get a more balanced view. But now we're going online, like you can find someone to agree with you. And like we don't even know what we do sometimes, I think, in terms of where we go to just look for the validation that we are looking for. Of course. And so I see that online all the time. And Yeah, and we want to put it out there. Sam and I, both parents, we are totally on the page of parenting's the hardest job in the world. Oh, 100%. Oh, look, I was doing it to myself. Like, I don't judge anyone. Like, I am more than happy to say to anyone at any point, like, 
like there is blood on my hands in terms of me not taking responsibility for myself, you know, in the past or just going to the places where people will just tell me what I want to hear and not actually facing myself. Like ultimately it was facing myself. Um, But Parent TV was really born out of a belief that I had that there needed to be a trusted brand online that had a credible research-based content that parents could access with absolutely no compromise of brands or sponsorship or any advertising or anything like that. I get it. I get it. It's so critical because once you get a certain number of followers, et cetera, you get a lot of people coming around you. Oh, 100%. You know, I cringe at blog posts that I've written where I've just in the past, this is past Sam, used really personal stories, made it sound like I'm really connecting with you about this. And, you know, boom, there's like three kind of strategic lines and, you know, brand things that are kind of popped in there and like all the stuff that goes on that people have no idea. Um, And the worst of them are those that, well, this is for me because it was me, like we'd use our stories, like our real stories as the bait to actually just promote someone else's agenda in terms of trying to get you to buy something or have a feeling about a brand affiliation around that brand or whatever it is. Like I know that world. Um, I was in it for a long time and so it made me feel and you're, sick. You're in, it, you're in it early too, to be honest. It's really amped up now. Well, I know. So the writing was on the wall for me. I actually exited the building as it was starting to really take off. Like we were big, like there was still lots of like opportunity and there was lots of money being pumped into it when I was in it. But when I started seeing like people are buying followers and suddenly like all the other stuff coming up in terms of, I don't know, just the, I was competing with the bikini. I was just like, I'm not doing this. Like this is me. But then we've got the, uh, we also had the pandemic that amped it up too. And all of that. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel so relieved. I mean, that was six years ago. So it was six years ago for me that I stepped out of that world and stepped into Parent TV, which was wild in and of itself because, like, what I knew about what I'd done is that I was the face of it and I didn't want to be the face of it anymore because that was just what people don't realise about influencers. Like, I watch them destroy themselves online. Me too. Like, not on purpose, but because... You have no idea what it's doing. What it actually asks of you (laughs) to have to continuously be creating stories and narratives to get the attention of your followers, which are more interesting than the other people. Like, there's only so much that you can actually come up with that is interesting for real until you're, like, out. I'm out. I'm out of like ideas and stories about my life that you might find interesting. So you start doing weird stuff and you start saying weird stuff. I've seen it on the ones I'm following. You're so addicted to this like, like thing that's going on, this attention and validation that is happening. And there's like these standards and you've got to keep growing and suddenly other people. And so like you actually make yourself crazy. And I literally witness people going crazy. I actually feel so sorry for them. I know what that is. Like, and I've always said to my kids, like they were on the sidelines of some of this stuff. It's just like, that is not something to aspire to want to do. That actually is a recipe for making you go insane. And I've seen it, you know, and I've seen people now that are doing, I'm not going to name the brand, but they're doing, you know, psychology stuff now online and they've got 6 million followers and they're making up stuff that's, outrageous against parents i know that's crazy stuff people just i think it's it's just such a weird beast um (laughs) and so for me i love the fact that parent tv i'm like i talk about parent tv as being a microphone my job it's like i know how this works but it's not about me having to be something for people it's a microphone for really great people that I see and witness who aren't selling themselves out necessarily. So maybe you've never heard of them before because they're not as big as all the others, but they're actually like their information is really great. Like for me, I'm like, I want to be a microphone, a collection. Parent TV is a we, it is not a me. 
And because it's a we and not a me, I also don't have to desperately, as me, try and figure out all of these things to say because there's there's so much more than enough when there's a lot of us. Yeah. There's so much information coming. There's so many different voices. It's great to hear all those perspectives. I guess what we are on TV people, I say parent TV sells two things. We sell trust in terms of credible content. We vet the people, no one's putting their stuff up like on YouTube, it all comes through us and we like film it and also efficiency. So if you do go to Google and you like, you know, are looking for something, you might get 2000 or 20,000 articles that come on, on anxiety in our kids, you know, which you have to actually do the work of trying to figure out which one of those may actually be legitimate and what, you know. And so for us, it's like this element of we've done the vetting work. There are no agendas here. Here it is. You can find it really quickly. Like that's, and I think for, because I certainly believe, and I kind of know, I think you do, Celine, like parenting is actually the single most important thing that we as community need to get right for the world <laughs> than any other thing. And that's yeah. government, that's everyone actually starting to value that if we choose to have children, they actually require something from us to grow in the best possible way. And it is now documented. And it is, it is important we understand that. And it is important that we give those children what it is they need, particularly in those first few years of life. Because if you do it right in those first few years of life, you've got the big rock, the big building blocks there. You know, it, fe it fears me to say, I don't feel like that's happening at the moment. No, we've got to rush to early learning, not early childhood. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like we're potentially breeding a generation of children who are going to have attachment disorders but that is a whole other conversation well, but we actually know that to be honest it's and serious like well, it the, means the, the thing is that I spent my life you probably won't know this about me but I started out my journey because my sister had a mental illness right and then after 20 years of studying the brain I worked out it's all to do with early childhood experiences and if you don't get the right amount of attention and just the right amount of love from a brain development perspective then we now know through thousands of research papers that this is the foundational reason we have anxiety, depression, bipolar, schizophrenia, addiction, and you name it. All those DSM-5 criteria are actually driven from those early life experiences that is also compounded by genetics, which are multi-generational. So we're talking about breaking cycles here. Yeah. So it's not it's like knowledge and education raises all boats. But the fact of the matter is you, if you give someone a phone, you actually may as well just give the child a cigarette. It's a, it's worse than a cigarette and we now know that. So let's step to, I've got to come back to you. Tell but me I what, would even say, you know, if you're holding a phone <laughs> while you're, I, I won't say breastfeed like I did, breastfeeding your kid or doing all of that. It's not just giving our kids the phones. Actually, the, the, the first issue is starting with parents' use of the phone before a child is even capable of holding a phone. How is that phone getting in the way of you being present to that child in the way that that child needs to grow in the best possible way. Well, I think way. what people don't realise from a neuroscience perspective is that that is shaping your brain. People think of it as innocuous and safe and it's just online, but we actually now know we've got papers coming out showing it changes your hormones, it's, it changes your interactions with uh, your brain kind of thing. So it does shape your child's brain. And my person running my lab here at um, in Australia, just he's French, and he said to me, Celine, you won't believe this, but children now have indents on their small finger from where they hold their phone to do selfie. So they actually have a bone indent that they've been putting up on social media, and mm. they're actually proud of these indents because they're saying they're evolved species. Oh, the world is getting wild. Um, well, and, you know, let's ask, what is the biggest, for parents listening, what are the biggest problems that you see, like name, in your opinion, the biggest issue that most people are struggling with right now? All right. Now, I do always want to make sure, like I am a very passionate and big energy person. So 
I have to remember to like pull it back sometimes because it can be quite overwhelming. Um, and I always want people to know that the fingers are pointing back at me as much like we're in this together. So anything that I feel like I kind of have stumbled upon, it's partly because it was a mirror in my face. It wasn't just a like, I can't believe you're doing this. Or no, oh, absolutely. God, no. Um, it's, it's, so, from it's from learning as we go and being curious. 100%. To, uh, being curious as well, right? Yeah. Um, and I want to say at the at, at, in the outset before I say anything, like nothing, it's never too late. Like one thing I've learned on my parenting journey, because I would say that the biggest lights came on for me as a parent as my eldest daughter was approaching 14. And parents always say, oh, my gosh, like, it's too late. I wish I knew this when my kids were young. And that's when I really started to do my work. And I have witnessed the impact of that on my children and that by changing how I'm showing up, and I believe my nervous system response, it's actually changed the entire nervous system of our family. Absolutely. So I just want to say. No, I'm, I'm putting out there as a scientific person that's studied all the papers, you are doing that because the brain's plastic forever. Yeah. So even though what I'll say about what I'm learning is actually all the way down at the start, that if you're further along than that like i was or most of us are. or most of us like just know it is not too late it is never too late in fact my relationship with my parents are changing on the back of this information and they're in their 60s and Absolutely. my siblings so i'm just like don't be afraid of what you might find my, out. And my parents are in their 80s and changing my yeah, relationships. So it, it is never, ever too late. It's just becoming curious. It so is. On the, so on the back of us being very compassionate to everyone listening, let's now yes. face and pull out from under the rug all yeah. of the main issues that people are, so people don't feel alone and not think it's just them struggling. So if I was to really hone in on two things that I think are critical it would be like attention and knowing where it is that you get your worth and that those two things are really critical for our kids when they're young and so what I mean by this is where we get our sense of worth is generally speaking what we give our attention to. So you're going to know if you think about, and everyone's different. So for some people, it could be what they look like. For other people, it could be the state of their gardens. For other people, it could be having a clean house. Or for other people, it could be the best person in fishing or sport. But generally speaking, and it's not ideal, we all get our worth from something that is external to us. But ultimately what we want for ourselves and our kids, because it's where the magic happens, is just to understand that we have that innate sense of worth. Because people often talk about their kids and they don't have great self-worth. But that comes from us as parents. And we literally help our children define their worth through our behaviours. And so I'm going somewhere with this. This is all about attention. So what I realized with my kids, what I realized for me as I kind of was started to do my work and face, see my own mirror was that my worth was heavily invested in my work, even parent TV, funnily enough. And it wasn't in being a mother. That wasn't the script that I got, the script that I was handed from my family. And this isn't a terrible script was like, and there was a reason I was handed that script. Like my dad literally, like parents had, like mama died when he was seven, had been shipped off. Like he had to work from a very, very young age for food and shelter in a way that I've never known. And he carried that for the rest of his life. And he taught me the way that you keep yourself safe is you know how to work. Because he had to know how to work, right? So get it, but it never. So we didn't necessarily get the attention that, from a parent in terms of he you know my parents attention was on work growing up it wasn't on us and so what i realized was i actually didn't have this innate sense of like worth 
within me being valuable outside of my ability to produce and work. And what that meant was when I had my kids, this is me, this is my story. Um, I really struggled to give them the attention that I feel like kids need in order to grow in the best possible way. Yeah. Because and, for and me, you're not alone. <laughs> for me, I didn't have that innate sense of like that it was a worthwhile thing spending time with my, there was no, I wasn't getting anything out of spending time with my kids because I didn't have a script that was like, it was like they're there, just, just get by, just kind of like, they're going to, you know, grow. As, long as, they, as long as they don't die, as long as, you know, as long as they're still alive, like it was literally just like I had this perspective that children just looked after themselves. As uh, long as we, you we're just told kind of that children are resilient and that they, and, and they'll get they over did. it, they'll get over. Yeah, yeah. It. You hear this all the time, and, and you know, and they don't think kids will remember anything either. No, so all of that, and I think what I've truly learned. I, I give that story because I want to put myself in the middle and saying the lights didn't come on for me and everything in my family transformed when I dealt with my own self-worth issues and I separated my worth from something external to me and really worked on that being something internal for me that it's just, it's not up for negotiation. And how I started showing up to my kids, like the relationship I have with my kids now, like I started to see myself and I started to see them. I would just say I didn't see them when they were young. I raised them, but I wasn't present like truly with them. Um, even though, you know, they didn't like, you know, I breastfed all my kids till they were two. Oh, I ticked the boxes. The kids slept in a room in hammocks breastfed my kids till they were two, didn't go to childcare until after 18 months. And even then it was like two days a week, always stayed with me more until they went to school. Like I ticked all the boxes, but. Isn't this important? This is such an important point you're raising here, Sam. You have no idea how from a neuroscience perspective, this is what I worked out as the number one reason why my sister got schizophrenia. And it's it's a fundamental brain architecture combined with genetics, and it's and it's not the only thing. Hers then led to multiple other things, obviously, yeah. um, because we're a big family too. But understanding this really transformed my understanding of the brain and why I'm so passionate in bringing people like you and many others, anyone that out onto the podcast to tackle this in multiple ways for people to see that this is absolutely, absolutely fundamentally crucial from a brain development perspective, that this serves children for their whole life and their mm. and it switches up three subsequent generations. Yeah. All I know is the most powerful thing of all is our attention. And you really have to understand what that means what that though. means yes yes it's not just looking at them and then no going phone no it's not it is not even being in the same room as them it is not even like i'm telling you my kids call me out on it all the time like my daughter will be driving the car she'll be talking to me i've got this brain where i can be thinking about something and listening to that and responding to her but i'm still thinking about the other and thing they, but they can tell they can tell she goes you're not even listening to me even though, and I could go, no, I just responded to you with an appropriate answer. And I did, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. She's like, yeah, but I know you're not listening to me. So I could be faces towards you, eyes are looking at you, responding out of my mouth, but literally somewhere else. And they know, I'm telling you, kids know. They know when you're not there. They know when you're not interested and it matters because what we are communicating to them when we do that is you have no worth and no value to me. I am somewhere else. I don't really care, but I'm just going through the motions. And what I and know. ticking the boxes. And ticking the boxes is, and I do this to my kids, so I'm not, this isn't coming down on anyone, but I just go, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. Um, but it's okay because we don't get given parenting manuals. We get told to breastfeed. We get told all these tickety box things in pregnancy books and everything else. But we're not told the fundamental, most important thing, which is how to grow a brain. 
Um, we're just not taught that. So that's something that's got to be added in um, to the new language, parenting language. So that's so that's the thing, right? I, I have to share one story with you, Sam, because yeah, yeah. it's so relevant to our current conversation. I was at a school. Uh, I'm not going to name the school, but I was sitting in a circle with all the staff and uh, in a staff meeting talking about, you know, brain development and stuff. And uh, a teacher raised her hands and, and said, you uh you won't believe this, but the other day I asked my students, uh, what do they want to be when they grow up? So these are kids under the age of eight. You know, and one little girl popped up a hand and said, I want to be an iPhone because my parents really love their iPhone. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's so that a... was that's within yeah. the last month that that conversation. Mm. So what you and I also was talking to other people where they're noticing babies are starting to smile when their parents pick up a phone because their parents are smiling for their selfies. So that's how deep this is in terms of how it shapes brain yeah. development and architecture. A hundred percent. It's wild and worth understanding. I know yeah. I think you were saying before about, you know, teaching about brain development and babies. I think about, like, I've had three kids. I think about those six-week, like, prenatal courses where people teach you to put a nappy on and wash a baby. I'm like, mate, they have got this wrong. Like, those things you're just going to be able to figure out. Like, we need to be talking about. And maybe they are now. Like, I don't know, but certainly not when I was. I'm like, no one is talking about the stuff that I actually. I think if they were talking about it, we wouldn't see people breastfeeding on their phone. Like, yeah, just because people won't understand that impacts brain development. Because if once they understand this deeply, uh, and it's a public health issue, I know that people will be on top of it. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of wild. The thing I was going to say, like, the thing to remember about all of this is as I had to face the parent that I was being to my children at the exact same time as my as a curious brain would do you ask like why and how did this happen and you also then start to realize that you have a story from your childhood absolutely that was <laughs> printed on you yeah, that absolutely. you have to unpack at the same time that you're unpacking yourself and so this is this is the important piece right parenting models are inherited in our memory base yes. And yep. so under stress and pressure, we that's the only one we know. That's what we go to. Yeah, that our nervous systems are wired into us from birth in our home environment. Like I literally now that I'm in my home, like I can tell if I'm like yesterday, uh, I'm doing some stuff at the moment. I knew I go my spidey. I call it my spidey senses. I'm like <laughs> my spidey senses are on at the moment, everybody. And my 15 year old daughter is like, I can't even sit next to you in the car because I can feel it. Like I wasn't even saying a word and I owned it. So not only can I now own it and be like, all right, my anxiety, maybe you would call it anxiety. I call it spidey senses. It's just, I've got a lot on my plate. I'm making some big decisions at the moment. Like I'm feeling a bit stressed. My spidey senses are on. And, and so I'm reactive to things. No one's doing anything wrong, but my presence is different. There is an energy about me that is real. That is contagious. Everybody like that, that drives the entire my entire family like nervous system that day so i have to really work on going that's not fair on them or i just need to know that i have short periods of that but if like for a period of time i would say that i just lived in that zone and and i was literally just writing that script on them so even my daughters and my kids can say it it's like oh your energy or and it's like yeah i might just take myself away or this isn't about you i'm always like this isn't about you got some stuff going on my spidey senses are up but they'll know when they are too like my daughter also and it's like wow she has exams at the moment spidey senses are like so yeah, i don't know absolutely. i talk, i give it that language but once i did really i, know, I think that that's a great language as the parents we're setting the tone of the nervous system of our family and we are writing that script onto our children for their futures, I feel a lot more accountable and responsible for my behaviour as a but, result But can of that. I just add another layer? Um, because we've turned to tech cultness, it's a mm. global phenomenon. Tech is being written into our brain. And yes. it's beyond the parent's um, capability. 
it's so immersive and and so explosive in its pervasiveness that it it's is. beyond even parents' ability to understand how yes. much it's affecting their nervous system. So how wild of a podcast is this, Selena, for me to like share my ideas? And I I not I am not coming at this from this is like my I'm like a weird and evolutionary point in time where it's going to be a case of survival. Like I'm like, is this like a case of survival of the fittest in the next like 50 to 100 years in terms of brains and capacity to be able to, like I wonder, cope with this? Is this going to be like a massive culling of humanity? I mean, I'm talking about it. I'm, I know I'm getting a little bit silly. I'm just like, no, is there going to be a massive let's, culling let's go. I'll of go humanity there. on this the back of like I think who about can it. cope and who can't cope with this like is, I actually what's think... coming at us? I actually think this is, uh, I think about this every day <laughs> because know. I'm an evolutionary it's... neuroscientist. So, I mean, I, you can't understand the brain unless you understand evolution. And we have in the moment in our brain and where people sit right now, and I just came from giving a talk where I can hack someone's brain in a second to make them stressed out and get them to not be able to think straight. I can do that yeah. in a second in an audience. So yeah. that's how low level our brain development actually is. And so what you're talking to is that technology is actually like a drug. Mm. It's actually numbing every single person because we've got a way to escape, um, but we but it doesn't deal with it because, as you know, anyone like me, I can't do that influencing thing because if I'm on my phone for too long on, in that space because I understand this so deeply, I feel I said to someone that's been helping me in that space. I said, I cannot do that. I'm not going to subject my mental health to yeah. this feeling. It's really dreadful. I feel awful after being on there because you can't make stuff about yourself only because the true nature of humans is to help each other, which is yeah. what you're talking about. One of the approaches I've had to take with my kids because they have it is I've always encouraged them to be creators more than just consumers. Like, like I'm not a consumer of technology because I'm such a thinker and I'm quite curious. I mean, I look at it to see patterns. I'm witnessing what's happening like at a meta level rather than a like small level. And like, that's how I view it. I'm like, oh, that's curious that this content's like, I'm actually not even nearly listening to what anyone's saying. And I certainly don't get caught up in feeling like I need to like have a house, you know, in the Maldives. I'm like, I already know that's a sham. I know all of this is a sham, like deeply. So that doesn't even affect me on any level, but yeah, I just get really curious. Yeah. So it's like, I spend time online. I probably don't, my kids spend more time online than I would like. Um, but I try to engage them as much I can about thinking on top of what's going on, not just consuming the stuff. And yeah. so I'll be in their face and agitating a little bit to, to imprint on them. So I'm partly like, you know, growing up, my parents didn't like the Simpsons. They thought the Simpsons was like the worst. And they used to tell me all the time, like, we don't want to watch The Simpsons in here. The Simpsons is bad, blah, blah, blah. And I watched a bit of it, didn't watch. But now as an adult, like I, I wouldn't watch The Simpsons because I have a script in me that's like The Simpsons is bad. <laughs> I don't know. I just heard it so many times. Yeah. I have this thing with tech and my kids where I am just like continuously like. You have like, to. Stop it's saying that. I don't want to hear it. I'm like, I, I feel like I am aggressively imprinting on you what this is, what this means. Sometimes I'll just go and watch what they're saying and I'll start just talking about it. And they kind of don't like it, but we kind of laugh no, about it. No, you have like no choice because I, I want to put out there right now because it's really important. As you know, we've had this conversation, but devices right now are definitely dangerous for children. Oh, because, 100%. Because of the immersive number of them and at the moment Australia is the leading country for online child exploitation and it's happening beneath all parents' awareness um, because we think they're safe and that they're using the devices like we do, but they're not. And they're taking photos of each other in in bathrooms and the, all this material is being put online and being sold. So people in Australia are currently making more money out of this than the organised drug network. And no one's doing anything about it. It's because people don't people think it's not happening in Australia. Oh, 100%. It is like parents do seriously have to wake up 
to what is happening in their homes underneath our nose. But this, this is beautiful, Selena, because this comes back to exactly what we were talking about at the start. Now, I do a lot of talks and different things in this tech space with a lot of experts working in this. And the truth is with just everything that's going on, like, because parents will say, how do I protect my children from this? And there are things that you can do. Well, exactly. So this, this is where this is. There are some things you can do in terms of like using family zone or using um, bark bark or something like that to put some protections in place. But ultimately, this is a risk. So do you know what that is about for our kids where they are prepared to send pictures of themselves? That is about attention. That is about somebody making them feel loved and giving them their attention. It is also like complete manipulation on the back of those very strategic people understanding that wound. Yes. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And but the, what people won't realize is that it's grooming. So that this doesn't happen overnight either. No, it doesn't happen overnight. And I just want to let parents know. Uh, hopefully, we'll get enough. And we we need to spread. We need to activate the parent network at speed, because in August, what happened compared to January this year, it's just beyond anyone's recognition. Because the police can't handle it. It's too much. And uh, what's happening is kids uh, as young as five are currently five years old are currently on porn sites um, and this changes the sex hormones in their brain so people think online is a, is safer than offline and and the previous podcast to this one is all about this and and recognizing if it, he says if a child has any device right now they are not safe would you give your child the opportunity to walk between here and the gold coast without a map on their own, no phone, nothing. He said there's no difference. And it's beyond people's recognition that currently because there are no safeties, there's no protections, and especially in Australia, we have no legislation compared to the rest of the world, uh, they're targeting Australian kids. A hundred percent. The other advice that I give to parents whose kids are even younger, whose don't have devices, but know that it will come. Like there comes a time where you don't have to give devices, but you know, They're kids are catching buses or, you know, whatever is going on. They've got, my kids have iPads with their school, you know. How do we best, what do we best do as parents to really try and reduce this risk? As much as it has to do with bark and family zone, they can't a, do it. There's no, a bigger be- issue. There's a bigger thing at play, which is actually doing your best to help and support your child to know who they are and be able to stand in themselves. And and I believe this more than anything else that the most important thing for us as parents is to not put ourselves onto our children to be little versions of what we hoped we would be or little versions of ideas of what we hope they will be when we never ask them, who are you and who do you want to be? And from a very young age, the more solid our children are in deeply knowing who they are and how to stand in that, the more they're able to protect themselves and not entrust themselves It's a case of self-trust. We have to help our children learn how to trust themselves. Absolutely. Because that intuition and that instinct that says something's not right here. Because if we're constantly teaching our children to not trust themselves through disagree, like through making it about us and not about them, like then they have no sense of self when something's going on. It's like somebody actually watched, I saw this, this funnily enough was on a reel, but I was like, they nailed it. And it was like, when you go to the party with the, your kid and they're clinging to your leg and they don't want to go play with the other kids because they're crying and there's some separation anxiety going on. And you feel embarrassed as a parent, like what's wrong with my child? Like, why are they doing that? And you force that child because it's good for them. It's good for them to just, they're safe. You know, they're safe. They're at this party. You're teaching that child, like, when you feel uncomfortable, scared, and not okay, ignore that and force yourself to go and do the thing that other people want you to do so they're happy, not you. Like, that stuff is so critical for parents to understand. Our kids need us 
to see them and sit with them and their feelings until they are ready for that next step for them. And if we are forcing growing up on them, if we are forcing them to make decisions because we feel embarrassed, because we feel uncomfortable, that our child isn't behaving like the other children, like that's about us, that's not about them. We are teaching them inherently to ignore their safety warning systems and to please the people around them and do what they want, the grown-ups. Because, and so if you want to get into that grooming situation, like essentially you've got grown, like we need to teach our children that actually they get to decide. And if they're uncomfortable, what a grown-up actually does with them is respect that, not force the issue for our own needs and purposes or because we don't like how we're feeling. And so I just, I like like parents of younger children, like part of the challenge and, you know, parenting is often quite public and we can often feel quite embarrassed about our children's behavior and we will force them to try and behave in certain ways. So we look a certain way like that right there is not teaching your child. And, and can I just say the previous generation taught that children. No, they did. Se- they would be seen and not, not heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this happened to you. So I just want all the adults to know as much as you're doing, like you won't have the script to do that with your kid. You're just running like what you knew, right? So the first step is actually do nothing with your kid. Like my journey of transition from the parent that I was to the parent that I am took two years and I didn't really parent my children for those two years. I saw psychologists, I sought lots of help and lots of support to rewrite that script. And my kids were on hold for two years. Now, it didn't matter because you've got time. So when I showed back up (laughs) with this new script, I was so solid in myself with, like I actually had to do the work before I put it on my kids. Like it was my work to do first and then it just flowed to them in terms of knowing how to appropriately respond to them in moments like when they were behaving in ways that, like I wanted to stop because I didn't like how I was feeling to be able to be like, this isn't about me. This kid just needs me to like be okay with this. Conversation every month because so many people are struggling. I just want to finish finish up in this last little segment around it shouldn't be all on the parents, you know, too, because, oh, 100%. because you know, we have some strict regulations and rules to help parents, like even though, yeah, we're not allowed to drink till we're 18 and people might start at 14. Uh, equally, uh, you think you're not allowed to drive until you're 18 or you have to have seatbelts. And I think the understanding that this technology is actually worse than cigarette smoking for children would allow the parents to get a breather because I hear so many parents saying, Selena, the struggle is real. Oh, it's so real. I know, I take it back to asbestos. Nobody knew asbestos was bad and suddenly all these people are dying of asbestos. Nobody knew smoking was bad and then all these people started dying of smoking. Like technology is the asbestos and the cigarettes of the 21st you know, century or whatever century we're in at the moment. Like yeah. It, and yeah, absolutely. I know, I just, I think about the founders of those companies and go, my goodness, I would not want to be well, they don't have, have that their, blood on my hands. Well, their children, <laughs> their children are not... Well, I know, but not just, I mean, I know their children are not, but how they sleep at night? Like sometimes I'm like, how do these people, like what are they doing to justify what they are doing to themselves? Like knowingly, like not giving it to their children and unleashing it on like the world. and Without regulations. Well, I know. And once you hear that like there are more psychologists working for marketing companies about how to use our psychology and brain scripts against us to buy stuff and do stuff then there are actually helping people heal makes me want to vomit in my mouth like (laughs) what is this world that we live in like we we recommend everyone looks at um a social dilemma on netflix to understand what we're talking about anyway i know i feel it's very deep it's very well it is intense because Children, there is actually no one looking after children right now, to be really, really frank, um, because of the nature of our society and the expectations on parents and everything else. So anything we can do, I think, to help 
Mm. Um, and everything you mentioned is really true about the parent-child interaction. Uh, it's called the serve and return relationship. It's really well studied by the Center for the Developing Child at Harvard. Um, this is a very well-known now published uh, understanding of how to uh change up that brain development piece you call it attention it's the same thing it's how to how, all sorts of ways you can drive these kind of interactions um, and that's a really critical piece because that does give you really strong brains which then help you have better you know self-worth it allows you to have less impulse control which means you can say no and you can trust your instincts rather than following the people telling you to do it like exactly all those things you said but at the same time, we've got to take a next level strategy to help parents take some of the burden off the parents and the pressure to yeah, I know. that we have saying that tech is the answer, that if you're not programming, you're not going to get a job. And so there's this, all this other pressure I see on the Facebook groups where parents are saying, but I'm teaching my kid to be a coder and all of these other things so that you can see, I can see the multiple pressures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the last two things I would just leave with is, yeah, hopefully I haven't made parents feel bad. Like I'm just like, first and foremost, get curious about yourself and your okayness and your worth as the parent. Like we will just imprint on our kids, whatever we are, whether we like it or not. So the best way to help your kids is actually help yourself and it's better and, that we imprint than the phone imprints on them. Yeah, 100%. And yeah. whatever it is that you give your attention to is what you were communicating to your child has worth. So think about that in terms of the attention that you give your child. If you want to create in your child a really strong sense of self-worth, which is actually the basis of like life, life think about how you were using your attention to do that. One small thing I do, which I talk about, which was a game changer for my kids, which costs me one breakfast a fortnight or a week. So once my kids hit high school, every single Tuesday morning, I take, they alternate one of my teenage daughters out for breakfast. And we talk about nothing and talk about everything and they can order whatever they want. And they've got me and my attention for like half an hour or an hour. It costs me an hour a week. I am telling you that breakfast that we do is the bedrock of our relationship. They spring out of bed in the morning when it's that time. There is, I, I don't come in with like big agendas or things, serious things. And it's, it is just like, this is just you and me hanging out, order what you want. We're just having breakfast. And I alternate between my kids. And once my youngest starts high school, my eldest will be finished. I will do it with him. But that right there, it's not, it has to be every day and eight hours a day. It's once a fortnight. And that was a complete game changer. The important thing is that you prioritize that that Tuesday is non-negotiable. They need to know that nothing yes. gets in the way of that. And you won't push it off because something more important came. No, that is our time. That is the pro everything. So that's in your calendar it. is what it is in saying. my calendar. The only reason I won't show up is if I was overseas or like literally out of the country on a trip. And then I would just switch it out. That might happen like a couple of times a year. But outside of that, that time is our time. Non-negotiable every week. You get an hour. And that for me has been like that has restored. That has repaired some attachment issues, I believe. What I helps. may have caused. It all helps. And there's no causing. It's just well, I, learning, I, isn't it? We're learning. That may have happened without me realizing through the lack of attention at times that I gave my kids when Absolutely. they were smaller. But I'm We're on a learning down journey down together. We're learning. So um, anyway, it doesn't have to such... be rocket science. No, it's oh no, it's no, it's not. It's actually it's actually the simplest things and we let, we let um, nature and we let silence do the heavy lifting and I love that. That's another piece of amazing advice uh, that I was given to. So I think um, we have so much we could talk about and, and I know you don't have any more time, but uh, I want to finish by saying thank you for creating Parent TV. No worries. Thank you for becoming self-aware enough 
to make those big changes because that's a three generation game changer. It's not just a one generation mm. because of epigenetics and everything else. We know it will change three generations going forward. So thank you so much. Um, and as we say, and we like to finish out the podcast now, I have this new term. All you need is one person to believe in you 100%. And that's a game changer. So just fight just and really value that one person. Don't take mm. it for granted. Recognize that that is a big deal for your life and your health. Yeah. So find that one person and be that one person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much, Sam. Thanks, Lena.